in the, in the church calendar, in the liturgical calendar, um, Christians around the world last week recognized and celebrated Pentecost, which was the giving of the Holy Spirit to humanity so that we could have God with us at all times. That's, that's what was taught by Jesus before he ascended into heaven. He said in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, which we're going to look a little bit at in just a few minutes, he said, I am going to go to the Father, and because I'm going to the Father, if I didn't go to the Father, the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And because I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come from the Father. I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to be there for some very specific reasons. And the church celebrated it last Sunday. This Sunday in the church calendar, we celebrate what's called Trinity Sunday. And again, this is an acknowledgement that we serve one God, but that one God somehow mysteriously is three in one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get into a lot of theology this morning because it could get us bogged down. <clears throat> but I wanted to understand and recognize that the voice of God, which is what the, the focus of my sermon is about and what we have been looking at all morning, the voice of God is the voice of the Holy Spirit of God, which was given to us at the time of Pentecost following the ascension of Christ. And so, um, I want to first of all refer back to that creed that we read at the beginning. So if you have access to it and you want to open it up, I'll turn to reading number 14 and then open up also reading number 8, the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> if you first look at reading number 8, if you look at the Apostles' Creed, and it's actually on the second page, it literally says one sentence about God the Holy Spirit. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's the entire theological statement of the ancient church. And then a couple of hundred years passed, and there was, a, there was felt by the leaders of the Christian world that it needed to be broader in its discussion. What what do we truly believe about the Holy Spirit of God? This third person of the Trinity that comes to all believers when we come to faith in Christ. And here is the full paragraph that they wrote. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. What this says, as Christians, we believe in a triune God. We believe the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the giver of life and the Lord. Just as much as we... I mean, we, we, especially in our Western culture, Western evangelical Christianity, we always talk about Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. But the ancient creed actually said the Holy Spirit was Lord. Well, that's because Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, it's all the same. It's all one. But the reality is, is we interact on a regular basis with God, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father making intercession on our behalf, on our behalf. He's praying for us. The Holy Spirit is the one that we're actually interacting with on a regular basis. And it's so crazy, you can't understand it, you just have to accept it and believe it. But it is the Holy Spirit that imparts gifts. It is the Holy Spirit that, that speaks with us, speaks to us. 
and that it's the Holy Spirit by this statement of faith that is worshipped and glorified just as the Father and Son are worshipped and glorified. So it's not that the Holy Spirit is any less than, the Holy Spirit is equal to, co-equal. And then finally, the Holy Spirit spoke by the prophets. Well, in some person's definition as a preacher, me, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks through me to the people that I'm professing to, that I'm speaking truth to, that I'm profiting to, if you will. When you begin speaking the gospel truth to someone, it is the Holy Spirit that speaks through you. We're also told in uh, Romans, I believe it is, that when you can't figure out the words that you need to pray because you're so burdened with something, that is the Holy Spirit that literally is praying on your behalf and for you. So there's this sense of this, this understanding through the Word of God that it is the Holy Spirit of God that brings the Word of God to us. That we believe that the Bible was inspired by the Spirit of God speaking to the hearts and souls and minds of the writers who then wrote down what they were inspired to write down. So the Word of God was given to us through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. So in my mind, when I, when I talk about hearing the voice of God and wanting to know how to discern the voice of God, it is this idea that I'm listening to and learning from the Holy Spirit of God who is present with me at all times. When I enter into right relationship with God by confessing my sins and acknowledging that I have offended God and asking for my, for, for my forgiveness of my sins, confessing that the blood of Christ is the only chance for me to get my sins cleansed, and the Holy Spirit of God then comes and inhabits me, now I have the Holy Spirit of God with me day by day by day, guiding me into all truth, which we're going to read in just a second. That's in the Gospel of John. So there's a sense of an interaction going on. There's a sense of understanding and discerning God's voice. But how do you do it? When I was young, when I was 17, 16, and first feeling emotions of, ah, she's so cute. And you turn to somebody and you say to another human being, how do you know you're really in love? What do they say to you? Oh, you'll just know. Oh, that's real helpful. Thank you. I'll just know. If I knew, I wouldn't be asking you. Well, when you say to somebody, how do you know when God is talking to you? And those same stupid Christians go, oh, you'll just know. You want to slap them. Because I want you to give me a definitive, touchable answer. I want something that is tangible. I want to know how to discern that it's God and not some other thing that's talking to me. You'll just know. You'll sense it in your spirit. It'll be truth. Well, that's helpful. Now, I can tell you, in 45 plus years of having a right relationship with God... How I discern the voice of God in my life. And I will tell you that when I know that I know that I know that it is God talking to me. Oh, there's this pitter patter thing going on. It's not my physical heart. My heart isn't going into palpitations, but there's something in here that's just burning. 
Now, that's how God speaks to me. I have never actually heard, Oh, Bob, I want to talk to you. But I have sensed words spoken to my heart and to my mind. I have, I literally, every single week, I say to God, what would you have me say to your people? And literally, within a day, something is spoken to my heart, to my mind. This week, God, what would you have me say to your people? And he said, talk to them about discerning my voice. Literally, that's what I sensed in my spirit. Now, did I hear an audible word? No. But I heard it. And I knew that it was God. Why? Because I learned, I have learned over 45 years to recognize when God is talking to me. Now, can I tell you the steps on how to learn? Because, oh, I was so mad. I was looking for graphics about the voice of God, and there was this one that came up, and it was in four keys to understanding and knowing God's voice. And I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm not even going to look at your article, because that's ridiculous. There is no four steps that all Christians use to learn to hear the God voice of God. It is the, God speaks to each one of us in ways that work for us. Look in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Kings is just before uh, the, the Psalms. Or not just before, but real close. So 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Elijah was a pretty incredible prophet. Elijah called fire down from heaven after the sacrifice had been soaked with water three times. And Elijah then, then is out in the wilderness and he wants to hear God. He's, it says verse 9 of chapter 19. Then Elijah came to a cave and he stayed in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, when it says the word of the Lord, we're talking the Holy Spirit of God started talking to him. The word of the Lord came to him and the word, the Spirit of God said to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets by the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. See, Elijah was scared. He was running away from the queen, Jezebel, who was trying to kill him. And Elijah is now in this cage, cave hiding for his life. He's scared to death. And the voice of God said, Go out of the cave and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him which said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of us. And he goes on and talks. And they have a conversation. Now, 
See, Bob Sugden, he wants the wind and the earthquake and the fire. Because then there's no question that it's God talking. Because if I say, oh God, would you please reveal your perfect will to me? That was God talking. I know that was God. That's not how God related, at least to Elijah. It was a quiet little whisper. I remember many, many years ago, back when I was a heathen and went to movies. Um, don't laugh too badly. Anyways, but back many years ago, before I covenanted with God that I wasn't going to go back into a movie theater, I watched a movie starring George Burns, and I believe it was John Denver. And it's called Oh God. And there's this, there's this scene in it where John, where George Burns, who was playing God, is talking to John Denver. And he's like, why aren't you appearing in this cloud over my bed with lightning? And the God character goes, ah, that's Hollywood. And I loved that. I loved that. Because, excuse me, we have this preconceived God Almighty is going to go. There's a, there's a passage in Psalms, and I don't have it written because it's just now coming to me. There's a passage in Psalms where it says, I called out to God, and God came to my rescue. And it's like God gets on these cherubim, and he starts flying out of heaven, and there's lightning, and there's wind, and it's just, God's coming down to rescue. But that's not my normal experience with God. It's just not. I, mine is more of the still small voice that comes after all of the big storm and then I have to be listening, carefully listening to hear what he's saying. But I have learned over the years, <coughs> I have learned over the years to discern when it is indeed God and when it is just me or when it is somebody else talking to me. But I've been a Christian for 45 years and even just as recently as last week, God was talking to me about something specific and I really struggled and I had to talk with other Christians and I had to read the word and I had to pray because I was like, God, is this really you? Or is this me? Or is this something else trying to cause confusion? What is this? And some of the things that I learned we're going to look at in just a moment in John in the Gospel of John. So let's turn there. Gospel of John chapter 14. And then we're also going to be looking at 16. Now in the Gospel of John chapter 14 and 16. These are all teachings of Jesus that happened after the, uh, after the, the, the Last Supper. And before his arrest in the garden. I don't know that this is the exact timeline, but in, God, in the Gospel of John, that's what the timeline is. So, look at John chapter 14, verses 15 and following. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The word helper here in Greek is paraclete, which we understand is talking about the Holy Spirit. And that helper will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. couple things you need to recognize. This helper, this paraclete, this spirit of truth is not spoken of as an it. It is spoken of as he or him. Now, it's not to say that it's masculine. It's just simply saying this is a person. This is a personage. This is not a force. Okay, So this Holy Spirit of God is not the force that we hear about in Star Wars. Okay, It's not this godish energy that we hear about in Eastern religions, where God in pantheism teaches that God is in everything. Okay, It, it, it is almost as if it's like an energy, like a, like a wavelength that connects all of creation, all of the, the earth and its, cre- and its creatures and its plants and even the rocks have this same energy, which we understand as the divine. That's what pantheism teaches. That's what, that's what Eastern religion teaches. What we as Christians understand is that God is outside of creation and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. However, God the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son to be with us during our sojourn here on the earth. So it is not an energy field that we're tapping into. It is not a a, 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 a vibration. It is indeed the very God of all gods who is with us. And we acknowledge and recognize that it's not an it. It is a person. Now, personally, the way that I understand and recognize the Holy Spirit, I see the Holy Spirit as a female. Now, you can get all wrapped up around the stuff that you don't like about that, and that's okay. We're not going to talk about that this morning. But I see God as having both male and female personality traits, and I like to picture the Holy Spirit of God as a female. But that doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that's how I understand it. And we'll talk about it later, Jesse, okay? All right. Now, <coughs> the Holy Spirit... Uh, Okay, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. And that day you will know that I am the Father, uh, and you in me, and I in you. I don't think there's any more about the Holy Spirit that we need to talk about here. Um, Yeah, here it is. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, there's two things spoken there that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Now, is that all things? Like we're going to learn about chemistry? Or we're going to learn about how to make cake better because you put more sugar in it? Eh, This is talking about spiritual things. This is talking about eternal things. Okay? And the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, the Holy Spirit can impart to you something that you don't already know. Or the Holy Spirit can pull down into your databanks of your memory and bring out something that you've already learned. That's how the Holy Spirit interacts with us and works with us. Some of it is from the outside, some of it is from within, but the Holy Spirit is doing all of this for us, for the advancement of the kingdom of God and for our own benefit. Now, skipping over to chapter 16, 
Verse uh, 4b, basically. I did, Jesus is talking. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now that I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you're going, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I did not go away, the helper could not come to you, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because of the rule of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take care what, take what is mine and declare it to you. And that's pretty much it, right, in that little area. Now, a couple things that we need to learn here. Number one, it is the Holy Spirit of God's job to do the convicting of sin. It is the Holy Spirit of God's job to do the judging. Okay? It is not our job to judge. It is not our job to convict. It is not our job to tell somebody they're wrong. It's not our job to convince somebody that they've sinned against God. Let's put it that way. Okay? You can speak truth to somebody. You can say, as I read the Bible, this is what I see it saying to me. But you are not going to be empowered by God to convict anybody of their right or wrong before God. That's the Spirit of God's job. And so often Christians try to force the issue, trying to get somebody to feel guilty for their sins, and the end result is they fall into a false-kit situation, and then they cry and they weep and they ask for forgiveness, but they haven't really had any kind of a spiritual transaction because they're not really even listening to the Holy Spirit of God yet. They're just letting you convince them that they're a bad person. And so it's our job as Christians to be careful, carefully leading people to the truth, but allow the Holy Spirit of God to be the one to convict and to convince and to draw them into right relationship with God. And to convince them that there is a judgment coming. It is all God. It is all God's doing. It is. We are. If you look in Ephesians. It says we are saved by faith through grace. Not any works that we do. Or works that anybody outside of us does. It also says in John. That this spirit that comes. Is the spirit of truth. And he will guide us into all truth. It also says. He will not speak of his own authority, but he will only speak that which is given to him. And he said, I'm, he's speaking what I've given to him, but what I gave to him is what I got from the Father. So it's this, God will never contradict God. Okay? So how do I know it's the Spirit of God talking to me? Well, if Jesus taught this, and this quote-unquote Spirit of God is teaching me this, there's a disconnect. And I can know that this is not of God. Now, if you go to John, John the Gospel, if you go to the first letter of John, which is just before the book of Revelations, written by the same guy, inspired by the same Holy Spirit. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So when you're trying to discern the word, the voice of God, I would first say, read the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit of God is never going to contradict what's in here. Number two, if whatever you're sensing is from God is not lining up with this, you got a concern here. And again, John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 says you should test it. How do you test it? There comes the rub. I mean, what do you, what do you, it's not like you can hold up a ruler, a spiritual ruler and say, well, it doesn't measure up. What, what Wesley would do, we're Wesley and Arminian in our theology, so John Wesley, what he taught, there were three things, actually four things that you would look at, okay? Scripture, number one. It's like a three-legged stool, okay? Scripture, it's what you rest on. But underneath Scripture, not above Scripture, but underneath Scripture, tradition of the church, all Christians everywhere throughout the last 2,000 plus years, what did they teach? What did they believe? What did they practice? Reason. Is it reasonable? Does it make sense? I mean, is this really making sense? And then finally, experience. What does your own personal experience mean? So, tradition. What do other Christians say? What does my personal experience say? And does it make sense? Or is it reasonable? Does it make sense? All underneath Scripture. So if God, the Holy Spirit, is talking to you about something, whether it's a burning in your chest or a fluttering, or whether it's a, 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 an audible voice, or whether it's whatever, God can speak to us even through other people. Um, if you look at the story of Balaam, God spoke through a donkey. So God can talk to us however God chooses to talk to us. It is, we understand it's the Holy Spirit of God interacting with us, but it will never, ever, ever contradict what's written in the Word of God. And you should be able to, with pretty much assurance, measure it up against tradition of the church. And I'm not just talking to Church of the Nazarene, I'm talking about all of Christianity. What the experience of Christians are and what your experience is. And then finally, does it make sense? Is it reasonable? If all of that lines up, you can pretty well be sure that that indeed is the voice of God talking to you and that it is indeed truth. But if it doesn't, you should question it. You should test it. You should make sure before you act on it at any cost. The other thing, and again, I'm talking about my personal experience. Um, one of the things that I experienced this week, I told you, God has been dealing with me about something recently. And I've been praying about it, I sought counsel, I talked with my wife, I talked to the, and when I finally did what I felt like I was being asked to do, a peace settled in on my heart afterwards. And even the next day, when I woke up, I was at peace. I was like, okay, yeah, everything's good. I didn't mess up, I was hearing God, everything's good. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place to be. Knowing that I heard the voice of God clearly, that I did what I was asked, and I can walk in confidence from then on. Whether anybody else understands, whether anybody else agrees, 
I know that I know that I know that it was my Father through His Spirit that was telling me this is what was expected. And I did all of the examining to make sure that it was indeed of God. And once I was fully convinced that it was of God, I stepped, in that, stepped out and walked in that. In my own personal experience, in my own personal life, Psalm 119, I always get the number wrong, Psalm 119.105, I think it is. Yeah, Psalm 119.105, the, the writer of this psalm said, Your word, the word of God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in the margin of one of my Bibles, the one that I used to use for preaching all the time, I drew a little stick figure with like a spotlight above, shining a light down over it in a circle of light. And that little stick figure represented me, and that circle of light was the Word of God revealed to me. And I always, always, always in my own life, in my own experience, I try to stay in the very center of that circle of light. And if I sense God the Holy Spirit moving that circle of light even ever so slightly, it is my responsibility, once I've discerned it, to adjust myself so that I stay in the center of the light. Now, if I don't adjust myself, I'm still in the circle of light. I'm still in, 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 in doing right. I'm still in right relationship with God. But if I continually neglect to adjust my position as that light is being moved, there could come a point where I'm no longer in light and I'm walking in darkness. But if God the Holy Spirit says, I need you to take a step to the left, Take a step to the left. If God the Holy Spirit says it's now time to take a step back, take a step back. If the Holy Spirit says take a step to the right, take a step to the right. If the Holy Spirit says take a step forward, take a step forward. And you're now dancing with God doing the box step. Do you get it? You may not understand, but if you're dancing with God, He's doing the leading, and you follow the lead, and now you're dancing with God and waltzing. Or box stepping, or fox trotting, whatever God, whatever image you need. But the point is this. If indeed God is the Lord of your life, and if indeed God communicates to you through His Word and through His inner voice that speaks to you, your responsibility is to respond appropriately and to stay in the middle of whatever that is that works for you, however you image it. But you gotta learn how to discern. Because I can't tell you the number of times people in, not just this congregation, but in this community come up to me and say, Pastor, how in the world do you understand that God is talking to you? How do you learn to recognize His voice? I can't tell you how, because there are no such thing as four easy steps to learn how to discern God's Word. But I can tell you that in John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. So I can tell you with assurance that you can recognize God's voice. And I can tell you with assurance that there's an expectation of once you recognize his voice that you follow what he's telling you. You do what he tells you to do. See, that's the other thing I said to somebody just recently, just the last, this last few days, as I was describing this circle of light. I said, once God adjusts the light, even if it's ever so slightly, if I'm made aware of the fact that the light has moved, it's now on me to move back to the center. 
Okay? It's not God's responsibility to push me to the center. It's my responsibility to listen carefully, to be discerning, and then adjust as God moves the light. I'm going to pick on our dear friends Wayne and Renee. Why are they going to the middle of nowhere near the Yukon River in Alaska? Wayne had a good job. They've got a good life here. They've got dogs. They've got a nice house. Why are they doing this? Because the Spirit of God has moved on them and the light has adjusted and they're having to walk in the light that God's giving them. And he's asking them for this period of time to go do this. Why did I move to Alaska? I didn't grow up here. Because one day, some stupid friend of mine from Bible college told me about this church. And I didn't want to move. And I wasn't ready to move. And I was planning a totally different path. And 12 weeks later, I was living here. You have to learn to hear the voice of God. And when you hear it and recognize it as His, you have to take the steps to stay in that center of whatever He's putting before you. That's what it means to be in right relationship with Him. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to hear the voice of God. Every single one of you, the Word of God says, every single one of you have the Holy Spirit of God with you if you're, if you're a child of God. Every single one of you has the Holy Spirit of God talking to you on a regular basis. Every single one of you has a plan that God is laying out before you and a path that God wants you to walk. The question is, do you recognize the voice when God speaks so that you can follow the leading? And I can't tell you how to do it, but I can help you learn how to do it. Just like we saw with Eli and Samuel. So if you struggle, if you just can't figure it out, then come and talk to me. I'd be glad to sit down with you and help you to discern. I'll not give you the easy one, two, three steps because they don't exist. But I'll sit with you and help you to learn how to discern. Because that's what I'm called to do. That's one of my roles here. Let's pray.